0: Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. Our intent is simply to highlight and to remind us to not take it for granted, if you have an opportunity, if even you have a family member who is a, a veteran or a war memorial uh, or war veteran rather, why don't you take a moment to, you know, lay a wreath, present a flower, a carnation. Even this year they are using red poppies to remind us of every living soul that gave their life. And people often say, you know, there are two days for military people. And I said, yes. One's Veterans Day, but that's for the living. One's Memorial Day, and that's to remember the dead. And we remember those. And perhaps you had family members that fought in some wars. I certainly have a lot of people that I knew who are no longer here because they gave their life. Um, I thank God for being able to have served for over 20 years in the military, but at the same time, Um, I was able to come home. I'm living and breathing today, but others didn't return. And this is a day where you remember those that didn't return and never let it be forgotten. Some people ask, why are all the motorcycles all over the place? They do a, a, a drive past the, and from the Pentagon, South Parking Lot, all the way to the Vietnam Memorial, and it's called Rolling Thunder. What is that about? It's to make a loud noise and say, don't forget. Don't forget. It's so loud so that it wakes you up. Say, so don't forget. Someone died that we might have this. It's more than hot dogs and hamburgers. The beach and the start of summer. It's about life. It's what we come to the realization that when we come to the house of the Lord, someone gave something precious. it was the precious blood of Jesus that allows us to be here. It's the precious blood of Jesus that we should never, ever forget. It is the precious blood of Jesus that makes it possible for what? For you and I to get into the presence of God. You know, yesterday we were talking about the significance of presence. Sister Callery, it's good to see you this morning. Amen. Amen. God bless you. you. know, Yesterday was a full day distributing food to hundreds and hundreds of souls, reversing in, getting ready, and having a funeral yesterday here for her husband, Damien. And we are thankful for God's grace. Somebody say, thank God for your grace. Say it again. Thank God for your grace. It is only by the grace of God that we're here. It's only by the grace of God that we're alive. I know when many of you were watching that video, you could see a lot of gunfire. Well, that's what war is. That's the cost of freedom. I pray that you'll never have to see gunfire. You'll never have to see war. You'll never have to have your children so close because of landmines all over the land. And this is why it's so important for us to be praying for Ukraine, and praying for an end to a war there, praying for the stopping of all wars that are even being anticipated. That's why God doesn't want you to ever forget what he's done for you. And the Bible says it is through the prayers, the fervent, effectual prayers of the righteous that we're able to avail much like this. Amen? And there's just some things that belong to the people of God. I've been in a series, and this is the third of that series, on taking what's yours. Taking what's yours. There are things that the devil never wants you to be aware of that's yours. There are things that he never wants you to fully understand in terms of being a child of God. Being a child of God is more than just, hey, I got saved and I'm going to heaven. God said, I came that you might have what? Life. And that you might have it what? More abundantly. God says about us, he says, let his kingdom what? Come. Let his will be what? Done. Where? Here on earth. Here on earth. Here on earth as it is in heaven. So there are some things that belong to us. And then we tie this scripture in is because it's so true. God says, my people perish. Why? Do you understand that you can perish because you just don't know? And God would even say about us, he says, brethren, I would not have you be what? Ignorance. God doesn't want you to continue to go through life not knowing. He wants you to know. The Bible says, when you know the truth, what happens with you and I? The truth says you're free. And God wants you to be free. God wants your family to be free. God wants everything that concerns your life that you walk in this liberty, that you walk in this freedom. You were once bound. You were once lost. You were once without hope. But Jesus came. Jesus came. Jesus came. And he says, take what's yours. I'd like you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20 with me today. Matthew chapter 20. I'm going to do my best impression of Jimmy Swagger today, holding this mic and Wheeling a Bible. <laughs> he is the only man I know that did that so well. I was like, how did he open those pages with one hand? Amen. Matthew chapter 20. I want to kind of set the stage for you. We're going to see one verse that's going to kind of emphasize what we're talking about today. Take what's yours. So when you're in the 20th chapter of Matthew, without reading all of the entirety of it, This particular parable is of the worker in the vineyard. It starts out in verse 1 talking about the kingdom of heaven and how the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. The third verse says about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. Do you understand that God sees you when you're idle? And God comes to you, and he comes to everyone. Uh, he came to me when I was idle and said, I need you to get to work, son. I need you to put your hands to this gospel plow. I need you to be a part of this in time harvest of humanity. And this is what this is about. So he started out early in the morning. Verse 3 says, then the third hour came, and he saw some people still, what, idle." Down in the fifth verse, he says he went out in about the sixth hour, about three hours later. And then he went out the ninth hour. And then verse 6, it says it was the eleventh hour now. And he went out and found others standing, what? Idle. And said to them, why? Why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said, verse 7, they felt like they had justification. They said, because no one hired us. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. How many of you know that when you are laboring for God, there is a reward for you? Your labor, he tells each one of us, is not in vain. Whatever you put your hand to do in the service of the kingdom, God's got a reward for you. But you can see that he is approaching people who are idle. Don't be idle. Don't just decide, I will do nothing. Don't don't come to a conclusion that it's okay to do nothing. God has given every one of us gifts Talents, abilities. There are things that you can do that I cannot and are not supposed to because it's given to you to use for the glory of God. Those of you who know you've got gifts and talents, lift your hand. Maybe I need to talk to the people that didn't write, lift their hand. Because every one of you've got talents. It's whether you will yield them and render them to God. What shall I render? What shall I render for all of his benefits? God's word says daily he loads us with benefits, but what shall you render? And truly, it's a surrender. And many times, folks, it's actually just sanctifying what you already do. What do I mean by that? If I can give you an example. Let's just suppose it's someone who uses their gifting for singing or their gifting for playing an instrument. But they just use it in the club. They're in the club all night just partying. They're in the midst of smoke and noise, and they're not making any noise for Jesus. Just, it's all about the world. But all of a sudden, they hear about Jesus. All of a sudden, they get a knowledge of who Jesus is. Now, do you think that God wants him to stop playing the guitar, stop playing the piano, stop? No, he doesn't. He wants them to continue to play it, but now you consecrate it and give it to Jesus and stop giving it to the world. So all of us have gifts and talents, and sometimes you are already utilizing that gift and talent, but you're not giving God any glory with that gift or that talent. Perhaps some of us are stealing the glory for ourselves, There are people, even we had a show back in the day, probably still on, called the American Idol. And people were idolizing people. God says, we shall have no what? No God before him. No idol gods. No glorifying ourselves. Matter of fact, if you read the scripture, the scripture tells you and I, we are supposed to what? Decrease. So that God might what? Because there is coming a day where everyone will have to stand before God and give account of how you use his talents, his abilities, his giftings that he gave specifically to you. He didn't give me a gift of singing. But he gave some of you that gift. And some of us have never used it. He didn't give me the gift of dancing. When I was back in the day, they would call me the wallflower a good wallflower With some of you you could dance but you need to dance before the Lord now. David did it I know sir, some of you have been part of churches and said oh dancing oh my God they dancing in the church do it to the glory of God I'm not talking about something that's vulgar or something that's sexual in nature I'm talking about something that glorifies God and magnifies God that something that you know is an expression of honor. It's an art. God is the, folks. When it comes to creativity and art, that's God. Come on, the earth, Genesis. The earth was void and without form. What did we have? A God who's a God of creativity, putting things in place. So God loves creativity. But Make sure, as his word says, whatever you're doing, you're doing it, what, heartily, as unto the Lord. You're not doing it to gain profit. You're not doing it to gain attention. You're not doing it because you're trying to be men-pleasers. You're doing it because you want to, what, please God. You want to glorify God. You want his name to be lifted up. You want his name to be magnified and glorified. And that's why you do what you do. But every one of us have a gift. It's whether you're going to give it back to God. He gave it to you. You've got to choose to give it back. You've got to choose to give it back. The one thing that God says about his gifting, he said, God gives Giftings, and he gives them severally as he will, and he gives them without repentance. In other words, God is not sorry that he gave you the gift. The only part, it becomes disappointing if you don't use it for his glory. God won't say, well, I'm taking it back. He's not like that. You have that gift. It might be latent. It might need a little dusting off. Anybody you learn how to ride a bike when you were young? And then you stop riding bikes because you want to start driving cars. And then you got a little older and you say, oh, I want to ride a bike. Come on, you all know, it, I laugh sometimes. My neighbors, they got bikes and they just hang on the wall and I go, yeah? Ah. But some of us know that if we hadn't ridden the bike for a period of time and we got on it, It was a little, yeah. Oh, I have to do something a little different here. I got to put, and how many of you know, God will bring all things to your remembrance. So if you haven't been using your gift for God, yeah, maybe it's a little rusty, but God knows how to take that and put it back into perspective. So when we go back now, and we look again at Matthew chapter 20, you find that he is reaching out to people who have been idle and telling them, get busy. Put your hands to this. Take part in this. So verse 8 says, when evening evening was come, in other words, it, we, verse 1 tells us he started early in the morning. Verse 8 tells us it's evening. And the owner of the vineyard said to the, his stewards, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. You think that people who think that, that, you know, I've been in church for years, Pastor. Surely I should get this or I should get that. No, Jesus said, I'm dealing with the last and I'm going to go back to the first. But here's the thing that you will find in this passage of Scripture. Everybody got the same pay. From the last to the first and the people who had started first said "Uh, yo 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 Uh, 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 what's up with this we've been out here longer shouldn't we get something a little extra you know and Jesus said what did you agree to remember when each one was asked to come and Take part and be a laborer? What did you agree to? What did you agree to? See, sometimes, folks, it is not about, well, they haven't done as much as I have. They aren't as, have been in the church as long as, no, this is about God saying, I want to add laborers to the harvest. I want people, I want people to take part. Everybody say, take what's yours. What God is wanting to do is take what's yours, what he has given you, and use it for his glory, and it doesn't matter when you come in, but don't be idle. Don't think that, well, I'll just wait around. I'm going to be one of the last ones. Have you ever worked with people, and you realize you're doing all the work and they're just looking at you? We call them good supervisors. They can tell you how to get the work done, but they don't ever put their hand to it. Your children do that to you all all the time, moms. What you cooking? <laughs> when is it going to be ready? Can I have an extra? But what happened with these is that you have people who are saying to Jesus, we were here first. And Jesus is saying, I know it. See what God is saying, I'm going to bless you so well. Folks, you don't have to worry about when a person comes. You're going to be equally blessed. Say, I will be equally blessed. God's never going to cheat you. God's never going to cheat you. But we have to be of that mindset, I'm not going to cheat God. I'm not going to rob God. I'm not going to be idle. I am going to be active in putting my hand on the work of ministry. And how many of you know all of you have been called to the work of ministry? You can't say, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too this or I'm too that. We've all been gifted by God, equipped by God to do great things. You can't just keep expecting great things and not know that God has already called you to do great things. Amen? (coughs) So we get down to where I want to be here. Verse 14, skip down there with me. You read it out loud. What does it say? Take what's yours. Take what's yours. Take what's yours and go your way. What is God saying? I've I, I gifted you. I've I, I blessed you. I've honored you. Now take what's yours and go your way. And what way is that? Go Jesus' way. Go out into the highways, go out into the byways, and compel people, come in. He says, it's God's business if he wants to give the last man the same thing that he gave the first man. Do you understand that God is a God who is no respecter of persons? But God is going to equally bless us. There is a story in the Bible um, about a young man, and we know him as the young man who was threshing wheat in the wine press. What's his name? Gideon. Thank you. Somebody read the Bible. After everything is done, after the diminishing and uh, getting down to just a small handful of people that would go to battle, do you realize that after the end of the battle, the, the, the soldier said, nobody should get anything but us. And God had to correct them in that way, too. He says, no, everybody's going to get blessed. Do you realize that when you are serving God, your intent is that everyone gets blessed? When you are worshiping God, you worship with all your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, but you want the person right next to you to catch it, too and just get caught up in the spirit and then worship. You're not here to just get it for yourself. This is why I'm always cautious as a pastor. I don't want people to say, well, I, it's just about this group. No. Whatever this group doing, is it about all people? How many realize Jesus is focused on what? All. It might be done from this perspective, but it's got to have a focus that says this will bless all. This will bless all. Whatever you're doing, you're, 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 come on. When we say the Lord's Prayer, how did it first start out? Wait a minute, stop. Not just my father? Everything about kingdom living is not just about what will benefit you. It's not just about gender. You know, sometimes we unintentionally can cause the vision. When you lose focus of God and say, I want to bless everybody. So whatever you do, how do you see it from a position of vision? Because without vision, people perish. Why will people perish? Because you put a lot of energy, you put a lot of time, you put a lot of effort in something that perhaps God hasn't fully sanctioned. I always share about an experience that I had, and I was going, I mean, pastor was traveling all over the country, especially in southern regions of Africa. I was preaching. I would fly into South Africa, catch another flight, go into Habarani, Botswana, get another flight and go into other countries, uh, uh, just preaching the gospel. But I was going, and I want you to get a hold of this, I was going on invitation. You don't want to ever just go based on invitation. You want to go on call that God called you. Sometimes we go because we have invitations. But God says, I don't want you just to be focused on invitations of men. It's got to be on calling. When I first got ordained, there was a man whose name was Buddy Doyle, Doyle Buddy Harrison. Buddy was his nickname, and everybody called him Buddy Harrison, but his real name was Doyle Harrison. And Doyle laid hands on me, and he laid hands on my wife. We were both there being ordained as ministers of the gospel. And but Buddy looked at me, and he says, Never extend your influence further than you are willing to take responsibility. for." It just gripped me. That was my word from the Lord on that day of ordination in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Never extend your influence further than. See, in other words, folks, don't just go and travel to Africa and say, well, I was in Africa and I preach. So what did you do after you left Africa? Don't just say, I, I I went to Australia or wherever we feel like we have gone. To say that we went. What was your purpose for going? And whatever purposes God has, it keeps you connected. This is why one of my biggest concerns about people in the body of Christ is that we don't understand that we're supposed to stay connected. And people disconnect so quickly from things that God has called them to do. Because somehow we are thinking, well, you know, I've done this and I've done that. And just like what we've just read in chapter 20 of Matthew, uh, God called us. And he's going to continue to keep calling you to the things that will make the most difference. So I went, and I traveled. I got to Botswana one year, and I came right off of a 21-hour flight. They picked me up at the airport, picked up my two 70-pound bags. It was 70 then. It's 50 now, I know. but I had two of them. And they threw them in a little car. One of the bags was sitting on my lap. It was a really small car. And off I went and straight to the church. There was probably at that time somewhere around 2,000, 3,000 people in this church, Bible Life Ministries. And I went straight to the pulpit. 21 hours of flight. Straight to the pulpit, preached. Laid hands on probably somewhere around 1,500 people. Went to a hotel, slept for three, maybe four hours, was up and on a flight. And I was going down to a little place called Francistown just outside of Botswana. I left at 6 a.m. in the morning. It took approximately an hour and a half to fly there. I got into a vehicle, and they drove me to what was essentially a home, but lots of people were gathering in it, and I preached again. I left there soaking wet because it was hot. And they said, "Do you want something to drink?" And I said, "Yes." And I said, you want, "What about tea?" I said, "Oh, yes." Now I was thinking iced tea, and they brought me hot tea <laughs> and some goat's milk. And I said, "I'll pass. <laughs> I'll pass." I left there, and they went. And I f- they put me in a hotel, enough time to shower, and I was at a convention center, and I was preaching again. I left there that night on a flight after preaching and went back and got in a car and drove from Botswana to South Africa, Johannesburg. And when we got there, it was time for a luncheon, a minister's luncheon. A lot of ministers, and they said, you're you're, you're speaking. ten grueling days of ministry. I am on my way back now from Johannesburg and everything in my body was just out of whack. I went into the bathroom and everything in my face was swelling. I had weps all over my body. I had now something that you all know as shingles. What is shingles? Shingles are a result of your immune system getting so low that this disease called chicken chickenpox that you probably were inoculated against, has come back in an adult form called shingles. I get off the plane in New York at JFK and I call my wife and I said, you're going to have to call the doctor. So I fly from JFK to BWI. Pat picks me up. And don't tell me doctors don't make house calls cuz the doctor was at my house. And he said, "Pastor, you need to rest." But I can remember this. I'll never forget this. I was just back in time for the church picnic. And the church picnic was going to be on Saturday. I got back on a Friday. I said, "Pastor, you need to rest." But pastor is a, a working pastor. I don't sit at the desk a lot. And I got up, and because I knew things had to be packed up, things had to be ready to go to the the picnic. And 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 and, and a matter of fact, I got back on a Thursday, so I'm in the office on Friday. Miss Elaine, who was there at the time, she looked at me, and I was still quite swollen. And she called Miss Pat and said, "You got to make Pastor go home." When I went home, and I have shared this before in my testimony, my eyes swelled shut. I could not see, and they stayed shut and swollen for three days. I could not see. I wanted to keep moving, and finally, you know, you have to pay attention And you think that it's sometimes the devil and sometimes it's just God. How many of you know it was God who was dealing with Saul that day when Saul fell and could not get up and he went to a street called Straight? And the shackles had to fall off. Well, shackles had to fall off of our eyes that way too. And here's what God said to me. I am not responsible for your mess. I am responsible for my message, and you take my message when I send you, not by invitation. This is why Pastor slowed his travel down, folks. It was, you might would say, it was honorable that people would say, "Hey, we want you to come and preach," and I was all over the place. I even had a ministry out in. said to me, come and be our pastor. We will double whatever you are making. They didn't even know what I was being paid. They just said, folks, well, you can't go just because you get something like that. Because that was money, 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 money. But you can't be moved by money. you got to be moved by the voice of god you can't be moved because somebody thinks that you are a good minister or preacher you got to be moved by the voice of god you can't do it because you think it's something that you ought to do as we would say annually you got to be moved by the spirit of god see and that's what jesus was trying to tell those who came to work for him what do you mean this is not fair What do you mean that I I ought to make some changes because I asked you to come and work early? Take what is yours and go do what I told you to do. But don't be trying to do. Some of us take on responsibility that God had never called us to take on. And then you are frustrated or like me, opening your body up for the devil to attack you because you are just running and going. And if you don't realize it, you are now become a man pleaser and not a God pleaser. Now, let me just flip the switch on you. Don't think that God's going to stop calling you, though. Remember what we were dealing with? Who did he approach? People who were idle. So don't think that when pastor says, look, you need to be going where God's calling you, God is going to be calling you every day. There's something that God wants you to do every day. But what he wants you to do with your day is not decide that you are going to plan your day. This is what I want to do. This is what I feel we ought to do. This is what I think we ought to do. You gotta get that out of your Christian living. What did God say? Everybody say that. What did God say? Folks, when people come in my office, this is all if you only ever know what Pastor is looking for to hear from you, is what did God say? I don't like programs. Because you can get in a program rut. What did God say? Sometimes, folks, Enoch Satima was here and shared this, and I hope all of you remember it. He was sharing about a man named Moses. And he was talking about the fact that God told Moses to take that rod that he had and to strike the rock so that he could give the people what? Water. And Moses did that. Remember? He struck the rock. What comes out of the rock? Water. All of the people's need are met. There come a second time where people are now again complaining about little or no water. And they ask Moses and they come and Moses is upset and he's like, I want you to know that God is good. Then Moses kind of loses himself. How many of you know if you're not careful and allow yourself to just be quiet, people can take you to a place where you didn't want to go. And you'll be saying what you didn't think you would say. And you'll be doing what you didn't think you would do. That's why the Bible says keep your mind stayed on Jesus so he can keep you in perfect peace but Moses lost his peace there and they're asking for water on a second occasion he goes to God and, and, and I think he wanted God like the the sons of thunder send something down there and, and, and chastise them God and God says no I'm going to give him some water I'm going to give him some water but this time Moses this is what I want you to do I want you remember the first time what did he do he struck the rock What is the second time God gives him instruction? Speak. Speak to the rock. Moses, in his encounter with people, what did he go out and do the second time? Struck the rock. What did he get, though? He got water. See, God was concerned about his people. He was going to give them water, but he had to deal with Moses. Here's the message that you're supposed to gain from this. Just because you are getting results does not mean that it is pleasing to God. You didn't get that, did you? He got results. But God gave those results because God loves his people. But he wanted Moses to be doing what he was called to do. People got saved when I was on that tour in Africa. People got healed. People got delivered. People got set free. But God didn't call me to go do it. I was in somebody else's lane. And I love my brother Enoch Tatima enough to tell him, Enoch, I ain't coming back until the Lord sends me. I love you, and I know he loves me. I know that, folks, this is like, go back with me. Remember when the Ark of the Covenant got stolen? Eli's boys, Hophni and Phinehas, took the Ark of the Covenant out into the battlefield. These are boys that are jacked up. They're having orgies up in the temple, and they just think they can use anything of God and get blessed. You cannot use God like that. God is not a a dispensing machine at your disposal. God said, you and I need to be what? Holy. Holy. As he is holy. And there was no holiness with what Hopni and Phinehas was doing. But they were in a battle, and so they took the Ark of the Covenant out to the battlefield and lost the battle and lost the Ark. The enemy took the Ark. Now, the enemy had enough sense to realize we don't want the Ark in our camp. they were having problems, too, trying to deal with things that were God and deal with unholy hands. And then what happens? They knew, the enemy knew, don't touch it. And they put it on a what? On a cart. And they carted it away. What happened when the ark was recovered? Instead of doing what God told them to do, see, the ark of the covenant Got a big Bible. Mine is up there. Let me just Ms. Path always got a big Bible. It's not as big today, though. Come here, Maui. Get on the other side of this Bible. And just grab the other side of it. Okay. Now I want you to just imagine six men up here. Just see this as the Ark of the Covenant. Do you know how the Ark was supposed to be carried? By the priest. Lifted high all the people could see it and follow God. Hopney and Phinehas, when they took it out, I'm not quite sure how, I don't believe they had priests take it out. The enemy took it and put it on a cart. I'm talking about something that seems like it's right to do, but in the eyes of God, it's not right. They're bringing the ark back. This is a time when you learn about David dancing before the Lord, taking off of his his ephod, just having a celebratory time because they've recovered the ark. But there was a man when this ark, when the covenant was, uh, the, the ark of the covenant was on this makeshift carriage or chariot, pulling it along, it's about to fall. Remember what the man did? He reached out and tried to grab it. And I use this. This is not in the Bible. But he was a crispy critter after that. And everybody go, it looked like he was trying to do something good. There's just certain things that you just don't touch. And you touch it the only way God tells you to touch it. It's like when you hear these scriptures that said, touch not God's anointing. People people just think, yeah, I can talk about it and say anything about anybody. No, you can't. God tells you, leave his people alone. Let him deal with it. If they are out of order, if they're jacked up, God says, I know how to deal with them. I don't need you to do that for me. How many of you th- thought that you needed to discipline your sisters or brothers when your parents were disciplined? If you were trying to do that, I'm sure your parents said, It's grown folks' business. Go back and sit down. This is God kind of business. In other words, God says, I know how to deal with them." But at the same time, you don't just do things because you think it feels good. You think it's a good thing to do. A good thing is not a God thing. You want to always be, everybody say a God thing. Say it one more time, a God thing. Say it one more time. Make sure you're doing it was it was good, and just because you got good results, was it God? And this is why Pastor says I, I, I like to deal with people on that basis of what did God say, not what you said, not even what I said. What has God said on the matter? And if God hadn't said anything on the matter, you might want to leave it alone. Even when people send me invitation, come pre. Uh, there's only one invitation that I've accepted this year. In a couple of weeks, I'll be going and preaching an anniversary service for someone. But God, there are more invitations that have come, but God has said, I I give you my stamp of approval. Make sure you're getting the God stamp of approval, and then take what's yours, and go on your way, and you're going to get things accomplished. Let's go a little bit further in that, beyond 14. I'm going to have to wrap this up. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? (laughs) In other words, you can't tell God what to do. God tells you what to do. You can't throw your little plan out there and say, God bless it. God says, no, I want to put my own plan out there and let you be a part of my kingdom building. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And that rock is revelation knowledge that's coming from Jesus. So he says, I can do, and he goes on, or is your eye evil because I am good? Do you understand? Have you ever seen a child and parents telling them to do one thing, but they're determined to do something else? And they're just going to do what they want to do, regardless of what has been said. That's what God is dealing with here. He said, now you just want to do what you want to do. And you want me to put my stamp of approval on it, and God's not going to put his stamp of approval on it. And as an under-shepherd, I want to be just like Jesus. I'm not going to put my stamp of approval on something where God had not said something about it. Let's go on a little bit further. Let's dig it out. So the last will be first. Say, "The the last will be what? The last will be first. And the first, Last. Folks, those of you who are accounting majors, you would understand this terminology, LIFO and FIFO. Last in, first out, first in, first last out. This is the FIFO principle, LIFO principle. But God is saying, I am no respectable person. I'll do it like I want to do it. Because God knows better. How many of you know God will do better for you than you can do for yourself? God knows better for you. Just like when you're growing up and you thought your parents were off the hook crazy. You thought they were older than dirt, didn't know anything. And now you got a little older and you realize, my Lord, if I had just listened. Now, God is a God who can redeem the times and he can bless you. But you realize you lost a lot of ground. How many of you realize if you could go back, you go back and you would do some of the things your parents exactly told you to do? you'd stay away from the things that your parents told you. Stay away. Let's go to the next verse, Alfred. Now, Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest. And the scribes and they will condemn him to death. Now, I want you to hold for right there for just a moment. See, sometimes you can know when people are about to, as you would say, hijack you. Jesus is not blind about who's about to hijack him. But he says, We're going up to Jerusalem son of man will be betrayed, not might be betrayed, will be be betrayed. He knew who he was going to be betrayed to, the chief priest. You remember Judas went to what? The chief priest. For 30 pieces of silver. What would you sell Jesus out for? What would you sell and give up your soul for? Or who would you give up your soul for? some people, we pursued people more than we pursued God. We pursued careers more than we pursued God. We pursued pleasure more than we pursued the treasure of God. And this is why the Bible tells every one of us it said what we ought to be seeking first is what? The kingdom. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of the other things he said will be added to you. But Jesus said we're still going. Folks, there are still some people going to heaven. But there are some who are going to betray. There are some who are going to walk away. I look at people every Sunday morning, and I try to see into your soul whether or not this is resonating with you, whether you are determined that you will follow Jesus and no turning back. And some I see, why don't he just hurry up and shut up? get it? You can't be a pastor if you can't understand that people are going to reject you. But Jesus assured me, son, you preach the gospel. They are not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. It's a horrible thing to reject Jesus. When Jesus, every time you hear the word of God, it's going to require you to make a change. This morning, God is asking somebody to make a change. God is saying, do you remember that I call you? But somehow along the way, you have decided, uh, it's not worth it. God's not paying me enough. But you agree. How I many he said to Jesus, Lord, if you save me, I will serve you. I did. How I many have said, Jesus, if you get me out of this, mm-hmm. we all have. Many won't admit it, but we we probably all have. Because sometimes we have been in some places that would have utterly destroyed us. We have been in some places where we didn't know where to turn or who to turn to. And we returned to our friends. Our friends weren't there. They had abandoned. They had all all of a sudden started being accusatory. But who was there? Jesus. Who will always be there? Jesus. Who is the best friend that you'll ever have? Jesus. Who is the best thing that you can ever do? Choose Jesus. He'll be a friend. The Bible says that sticks closer than a friend. The one thing about Jesus, no matter what the obstacles are, he is going to keep pressing toward the assignment of God. I pray that you will be that type of person. No matter what the obstacles, you are never going to live life without obstacles. Don't ever let anybody tell you that you can live your life without obstacles. Obstacles are going to come, but God tells you how to move the obstacles. God tells you, you've got something. If you'll take it, the mountains will move. God's telling you, I've got something that I'll give you that will help you to turn your sorrow into joy, that will turn your mourning into dancing. God's telling you, I've got something. Take what's yours. Take what's yours. Next verse, if I could, if you move it forward for me, and deliver him. He said, they're going to betray me, and they're going to deliver me to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge. He's talking about the Roman soldiers here. This is what he meant by Gentiles. They're going to take me. They're going to mock me. They're going to scourge me, and they're going to crucify me. But he says, on the third day, on the third day, he will rise again. He will rise again. Folks, I'm telling you, if you'll just follow God, the Bible says a good man will fall down. It says even sometimes, seven times, you'll fall down. But you will what? Get back up. God will resuscitate you. And if necessary, God will resurrect you. But you will get back up. Up, but you got to take what's yours and utilize it for his glory, for his honor, for his praise. God's done some great things. You know that the emphasis behind this message is from Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. And it says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. I've been trying to encourage you and some of you have been very proactive in doing it and looking up your blessings. Some of you have been okay, I heard him. And we realize that what you hear unless you go back and meditate in it, you don't get it. Unless you folks unless you go back to the website and go back through this message, you don't get it. You won't get it. It will be just something that was said and not remembered. You guys remember the jokes more than you remember the message. I'll tell you one now. And you're going to remember it. There's just some things, folks, you just can't run away from. It's God's calling. There are four people. They're sitting four men sitting in a waiting room. All of their wives are about to have babies. The nurse comes out. He says, Mr. Jones, Mr. Jones, and then one gentleman raises his hand. Yes, I'm Mr. Jones. He said, Mr. Jones, congratulations. Your wife has just given birth to twins. He says, oh, that's fantastic. That's exciting. He said, I work for the Minnesota Twins. A few later, minutes later, she comes back out, same nurse, Mr. Smith, Mr. Smith, and the other gentleman waves his hand, Mr. Smith, she says, congratulations, Mr. Smith, your wife has given birth to triplets, and he says, wow, that's exciting, he says, I work for 3M. She comes out a few minutes later. She calls another name, and the gentleman says, oh, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. She says, oh, congratulations. Your wife has given birth to quadruplets. He says, wow, that's exciting. He says, I worked for four seasons. Then all of a sudden there is one guy, he jumps up, and he just starts to run. I mean, they have to almost tackle him to catch him. And he said, oh, no, no, I work for (laughs) (laughs) 7-Up. I don't care what God has called you to do, don't run from it. Don't run from it. Don't run from it. Don't run from it. If you remember that joke, that's good. But if you forget the name of Jesus and what he's called to you to do, then you're going to miss something extremely important. I'm going to stop there. We're going to pick it back up because during the weekdays, I'm trying to get you over to the point of how do you access the spiritual blessing. I'm just teaching and maybe just trying to pique your um attention level in these Sunday services about God blessing you with all spiritual blessings, but then the week in the Bible studies was showing you how to access these blessings. How many of you want your blessing? I went to Texas one time with the kids who a summer camp, and the theme of it was get your blessing, get your blessing, get your blessing now, but if you don't want it, I'll take it but get your blessing because God has blessed you with all spiritual blessings. so you need to tune in with us on 12 noon on uh, this coming Wednesday or 730 and get your blessing get the insight on how to access this blessing that I keep mentioning in these Sunday services that God has blessed you with all spiritual blessings amen glory to God bow your heads for just a moment Let's go before the altar of the Lord, and let's ask ourselves, am I saved? Am I saved? Have I fully and completely surrendered surrendered to Jesus? Is he my Lord? Is he my Savior? In my life, am I seeking him first, or are there other things in my life right now that's ahead of God? And I want you to put it back into proper priorities now. For some, you may be just coming to Christ. For some, you may need to rededicate your life back to Christ. But Christ has to be the head. Christ has to be number one. So this morning, what am I asking you? What am I asking you to do? If he isn't, if you haven't received Jesus, receive him now. If you received him, but somehow you let other things get ahead of your commitment to God. Let's put it back in order. We're going to ask Jesus to help us to put it back in order this morning. We're going to ask Jesus to come into our lives for some of you for the first time. Those of you who are viewing, same thing. God is speaking to you. So, Father, this morning, we're humbly coming before your altar to ask you to be the Lord of our lives. We're asking you to forgive us of our trespasses, to forgive us of our sins, to forgive us of any and everything that we have ever done to offend or disobey what you have told us to do. We're purposing in our heart, Father, not to just be people that are just inundated with work, but people who walk by faith and by faith get the work of the kingdom done. So Jesus, we know we can't do it without you. And we're saying we don't want to. We need you. We need you. We cannot make another step without you. And from this day forward, every move that we make, every step that we take, you will be the lead. We will follow, not ask you to do something, but to ask you, Lord God, to show us what you have already done and to see your kingdom come and your will be done here on the earth just like it is in heaven. Say this with me. Jesus, I do confess that you are the son of God. You are my savior. I receive you and will always receive you as my Lord, my Savior, my Redeemer. I am, and I thank you for this, I am the redeemed. And your word says, let the Redeem of the Lord say so. Amen. Say so. Tell people about Jesus. Folks, it's in your everyday, ordinary conversations. I am packing groceries with two teenagers when Jesus comes up. Always be attentive to those little doors that will open up to talk about Jesus. How you get so strong. (laughs) He uses expressions like this. You're buffed. Nobody's more buffed than Jesus. Nobody's stronger than Jesus. Folks, every conversation that you're supposed to have is to take you to Jesus. Take you to Jesus. In the funeral service yesterday, there was a song, Take Me to the King. We've got to be taken right in front of the king, and he wants you to come boldly before the throne of his grace. Stand to your feet. Let us give the benediction. Hallelujah. Glory to the the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Amen. I do have another meeting that I must go to this this evening. I am going to St. Mattress. (laughs) Amen. You all understand what that is. Uh, My body is tired and I want to go and just rest suspect that some of you are in probably the same category, uh, but whatever you're going to be doing, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, and so I'm going to just go rest in the Lord. And God, I thank you that you have given us rest in your word, and that you'll give us rest in the natural. But Father, there are some they have been invited to go here or there, and it's not a necessarily a bad thing, but God, surround them with your favor like a shield. Protect us. Protect them as we travel. The highways are more crowded than ever on these type of weekends. And so wherever our day will take us, God, we don't want to go there without you being with us. And Lord, teach us how to stand up and stand out for you in whatever situation we find ourselves in. Some of us may be at uh, invited uh, uh, cookouts or very. Let us not get caught up in worldly conversation. let us not get caught up in worldly activities as we go to perhaps our friends or families or co-workers' functions. Help us, Lord God, to be the standout Christian so that we get to glorify you, we get to magnify you, we get to leave that place when people will say, that was a child of God, that Encountering just a moment ago. That's a man, a woman that truly knows and loves God. And may you be the influencer and not them. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go. Be a blessing in Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org.